0: Hello and welcome to 278 of the Rilo and Slappy Show. Today is November 8th, 2021. I am Rilo McFlugel. With me is my co-host, Slappy Jones. Show notes page for this episode will be mcflugel.com slash 278, where you will find links to ways to find our guest, who Slappy will introduce right now. Yeah,
1: welcome back to the show, Steppy and Lee Enfield. I'm sure everyone knows who they are. Yeah, I'm sure... All our listeners know who you guys are from Twitter. If not, go check them out. If you want to say what your handle is, go for it. Stabby? Uh, Just read the show notes. Read the show notes. (laughs) Lee, same? Or you got a handle? Yeah, same. It's in the show notes. Right on. Um, All right, so we're going to talk about, I guess, it's funny. Before we started recording, we were talking about what we're going to talk about, and I don't think we came to a conclusion. But a little bit to do with our episode last week where we were talking about – Praxians, post libertarianism, and I guess Lee and Stepi um, were battling Rallo a couple weeks ago, just really beating them down verbally on the timeline. And so we're going to try to hash it out here. So Rallo, yeah, want you want to I- start this uh, start this fight?
0: Yeah, I'm just I just want to say that I'm going to con- hold my position that John Deere's are way overpriced and. Even if you buy one used, it's still overpriced. So your best tractor is really just a uh, international harvester from the 70s. There
1: you go. We got that out of the way. Yeah. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Um,
0: but we were talking – I guess what were you guys discussing? Were you talking about the nap? A little bit, just like the whole po- – because it's, it's – and what we kind of said last week in the episode, how this whole post-libertarianism debate, it's just so kind of – Uh, nebulous and different people who identify with that term have different ideas of what it means. And so on the timeline, tweeting back and forth, I would be talking to Lee and Steppy and like, it seemed like we had disagreements on libertarianism or, or, or whatever. Um, but I was like, I I think I know these guys well, yeah, I think I know these guys well enough that like, I think we're pretty much on the same page with everything so just wanted to hash it out a little bit and and i've been Mm. referring to post-libertarian and i don't want to put words in we or steppy's mouth so um i guess uh you guys you want to say what you think about that kind of stuff and and then we can kind of go from there because i want to not just talk about post-libertarians i think we covered it a lot last week um we'll cover as much as you guys want to talk about but um, I think there's more interesting things we can get into. But go ahead. I guess, uh, Steppy, you want to start off?
2: Sure, yeah. Uh, all right. So I think, uh, so post libertarianism, I think, uh, you know, there are particular people laying claim to particular uh, takes on it. Uh, you know if you're in the Twitter sphere you know the particular names you got your Jason Stapleton your Matt Erickson yada yada uh, and I think there's a sort of battle to control the definitions and branding of you know it being a particular narrative uh, but I do think even though there are many surfers trying to ride the wave, uh, and make it their own, there is genuinely a wave, uh, that wave is, uh, you know, like the post libertarian moment or some process of questioning, you know, after 2020, 2021, like how, how are we doing as Liberty loving people? Uh, and how, you know, our, our tactics, uh, our philosophy. And is there, should we be doing a real gut check in terms of what we are trying to do in the real world, and even down to the basics of evaluating? Well, like, is the NAP uh, a set of handcuffs in certain circumstances? Uh, you know, uh, just basic questioning of the the whole libertarian thing, right? Like, I think that is a real moment we're in. Uh, I can't speak to uh any you know particular people who've planted their flag in it, I can sort of give my takes on it, but I think there's a lot of legitimate questions being asked. So
0: sure. Uh Lee, do you want to uh jump in, say give your thoughts, opening thoughts?
3: Uh I think Stepi touched on uh probably most of it in terms of just examining philosophy Tactics, strategies, like the the question of like what is the actual goal of uh, in any you know any of this type of political um, activity, and it is probably overdue for a gut check because you know our situation as a society, the way that we relate to um, the government in terms of like day to day life uh, has certainly not improved in the last two years. It's gotten exponentially worse, and you know, it, it's probably worth reassessing uh, certain positions that, that maybe have not been effective against that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you guys are, are spot on and I, I agree with that. I think, um, I mean, I've been a pretty harsh critic of libertarians for a while.
1: Forever?
0: Yeah. For <laughs>
1: Forever. like since we've yeah. been doing this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I've, I've always considered myself a libertarian and, and continue to do so, um, but I don't know if it's just because I'm too online and on Twitter with my interactions with a lot of libertarians is that that kind of clouds my perspective on what libertarians are general, generally doing, but uh, I would agree, um, or at least I would posit that over the years, a lot of libertarianism has just been very much based on the internet and just kind of talking a big game, but not actually really doing anything about it. Um, I think there is a point to being online. I mean, we have a podcast. We're on Twitter. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and say it's it's totally useless. But um, if that's the only thing that you're doing, then I think you like need to actually determine if you're actually doing anything or not.
3: Yeah. Right. I, I think, um, and you guys can, you know, jump in and correct me if I'm wrong in my assessment here. Um, because half the time I'm not on Twitter at all during the day. And then sometimes I'm, you know, I'm there for like four hours at a time. So maybe I missed something, but from, from my perspective, um, it kind of seemed, and, and to be clear, you know, I don't, I don't have any, like, affiliation or involvement with uh, the quote-unquote, like, post-libertarian thing or people or anything like that. Um, but it, it kind of seemed like their whole deal is, like, uh, taking kind of direct political action, uh, potentially being more involved in, like, uh, legacy politics, like, like, two-party system, GOP, you know, blue state, red state stuff, um, as a means to an end. And there was a lot of kind of fighting over, uh, you know, well, that's stupid, or that's not really what a libertarian would do, or that's gonna be a violation of um, the NAP, or, uh, you know, it won't work or any of those things. And it seemed like there was a lot of, you know, bickering back and forth about the merits of like taking uh, direct political action or, which, which I, I'll probably for lack of a better term is referred to as like actually trying, I guess. Um, so that, you know, libertarianism is like, it's kind of an interesting philosophy because it, it it's both a personal philosophy. Like it, it probably, you know, most closely can be defined as just like the idea of self-ownership. Uh, and that, you know, with it comes with a lot of like Austrian school stuff and, Uh, you know, Mises school stuff and, you know, that's fine. And those are all things that I agree with on a personal level. Like I don't uh, like the idea of any, any more uh, government involvement, you you know, at all uh, from like a personal philosophy standpoint, but from a strategic standpoint or like a means to an end standpoint, uh, it doesn't work that way. Like it, it obviously will go nowhere ever. And so, like, that's okay if you're if that's not important to you, right? Like, if your goal is to uh, just discuss like libertarian philosophy and you know ideals and uh, debate trolley problems and stuff like that uh, with with your friends on Twitter and that kind of thing, like, that's fine. I, you know, I like doing that kind of stuff. That's okay. I don't I don't have a, a problem with that overall. But you, you know, I think it's disingenuous to pretend that that is also somehow like affecting anything. And, you know, perhaps when times are good, like that doesn't really matter, like comparatively good, but as things have become progressively more intrusive from the government in most states in the union, uh, a lot of people have been seriously affected to the negative in a very practical way. And it seems, and again, I don't speak for these people, this is just my take from like an observer, but it seems like a lot of the uh, post-libertarian ideas uh, have to do with actually kind of getting into the game, like the, the real political game, so to speak, uh, and trying to win some type of local elections or uh, things like that to secure some type of political protection or uh, influence or that, that type of thing. Which, and, and that seems to me uh, to be the core of the argument, uh, from, at least from what I saw on Twitter, where, where some people are just saying, hey, I think that's a stupid idea, and that's not real libertarianism, and you're wasting your time and some people saying, well, you know, just sitting here talking about it is also a stupid idea. And why would we do that? Um, So I think this is two groups of people that largely agree on like the same things, but probably at this point have, uh, kind of diverge a little bit in terms of what they want to do moving forward with regards to practicality.
2: Uh, So if I can cut in and and tie this to real life, current events that affect me uh we recently had the New Jersey gubernatorial election and i was prolifically uh posting against the uh, NJLP candidate uh and being mean to him <laughs> uh and, uh because there were points where the margin between uh Jack Toderelli and Phil Murphy Uh, Was actually it would have been settled by third party votes like at various points in the counting. It's like I would be furious. I I know this is like a frustrating, like you know, uh, statist argument, but I would I would personally be furious if like the LP candidate would have swung the election to the guy who wouldn't like mandate vaccines for children or try to get me fired for you know being anti-vax or whatever right like uh and i had libertarians telling me well you know multiple of them uh engaging with me and telling me like well they're both bad they're both statists and i have to tell you these people are the most frustrating in the world like unless like you live here and you're facing down four years of phil murphy like you know ruining your life and taking your job uh like maybe shut up But yeah, like, you know, I think this is an example where like, you know, political, like the lesser of two evils really matters and I'm getting the greater of two evils.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess I kind of, Bird's, Bird's going to be so proud of me that, uh, I guess I take a kind of a Deleuzian approach, uh, from, sorry, years ago, um, I was watching a Cody Wilson interview and he mentioned this book, Nomadology by uh, Deleuze and, and someone else. And I picked up the book and I read it and I didn't understand most of it. It was way over my head. But uh, one of the points he made was that it's like, you know, you just got to, as you're kind of marching along your nomadic path to wherever you're trying to get, like whatever weapons or tools that are useful along the way, pick them up and use them. Um, so as a libertarian, if, there's a political election that you can influence one way or the other to advance your cause. And yeah, I mean, go ahead and do that. Kind of be silly not to. As long as you're, uh, uh, you know, not trying to wield the power of the state in a, in a really aggressive way if it's defensive. Um, and of course, this stuff is all very murky. It's, it's never going to be perfect. You're voting for politicians. Um, so you're going to get the, the bad with the good and the good with the bad. So I, you know, like you said, Steppy, it's, uh, the lesser of two evils can be, can be a thing. Um, and it's not something, I mean, we're faced with the dark abyss of reality that there is no perfect solution most of the time. Um, so you do have to kind of just kind of fight your way through all this slog and, 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 you know. Sometimes you do have to, you know, hold your nose and and maybe support a uh, a Republican candidate or, or whoever. Um, and the thing is, like, I, I guess one of my big criticisms of going into politics in the normie realm, it's one thing if you're like, hey, I've got this local election where, you know, if if enough of us and not that many people can swing this election, and we can gain a lot out of it. You know, going to the voting booth and spending a half hour one day to go cast a ballot, that's really low effort for what could be a pretty decent reward. But this idea that, like, libertarians are going to start um, infiltrating the GOP and really fighting those battles and taking it from that angle where you are – like, that's, that's a huge – huge time and resource and energy commitment that you have to go in there. And that's not to say that there's never a situation where that would would work. You look at a guy like uh, Tho Bishop, who seems to be making waves in his county in Florida, but, you know, he's in a very good situation. I think he, as far, I heard that, um, this is hearsay, it might be true. Um, I think it is true that uh, he had family that was, heavily involved in in the GOP politics down there. So that's not like a – I'm not trying to criticism by se, criticize him by saying, oh, you just have family. No, I mean, if that's a point of leverage for you where you can make it work for you, absolutely pull that thread. But that's um, certainly a different situation than this kind of carte blanche. Hey, we're all going to – we're going to join the republican party and, and fix it from within because it's just that that's a big difference than an election that's right in front of you that you can throw a vote in or you know promote someone who's going to uh advance your agenda in the direction that you want it to go i said a lot there um kind of went off what you were saying oh <clears throat> went went on a different tangent from what you were saying steppy but wanna what is it yeah
1: you know, kick it back to Stabby. You have a response?
2: Oh, well, uh, one thing I would say is that uh, whether or not this is uh, something that all parties have vocalized or if it's just unconsciously motivating them, uh, anyone who's trying a paleo Republican strategy and anyone who's trying a lp mises caucus strategy which is like you know definitionally more right-wing uh within the lp they are trying to appeal to the same uh voter base in mutually like it's a it's a zero-sum game i would argue uh um you know the lp Mises people are trying to move the LP right and the GOP Mises uh types are trying to move the republican party down on the political compass so uh it's natural that they are going to butt heads and it's almost not reconcilable uh like you got to pick one strategy uh I, I would argue
1: Do you think the Libertarian Party even matters, though? Like what Dave Smith talks about, and I I don't want to speak for him, but I've heard a show enough where he he talks about just kind of spreading the message and trying to get it to people. I don't think he thinks he's going to win. I don't think he really wants to win. I don't even think most of the time, and you can probably find elections like Ross Perot certainly took votes from other presidential candidates. But I think a high percentage of libertarian votes are people who either wouldn't have voted or are doing a protest vote. Because if you actually care, you're going to vote for the lesser of two evils.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we should dissolve the LP and
3: now we yeah, can too. speak. <laughs>
1: yeah,
3: yeah I, I, don't, I don't think the Libertarian Party uh, matters at all. I, I mean, like what you said, if these are protest votes or people who otherwise would not vote, Um, I mean, why do you even need a ballot box? You could just replace it with a recycling bin. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's irrelevant to begin with. So, you know what I mean? Like, and I don't mean that with any offense to like Dave Smith. I like Dave Smith and this is, you know, what I mean where libertarianism is either, uh, like a worldview, which I, I think is a good one, um, or it's a political strategy, in which case I think it's. It's not one, if that makes sense. Like, this is a problem that the left doesn't have. Like, you don't hear um, the same level of, you know, you you don't have like the DSA saying that like, well, you know, unless they're going to run, you know, uh, whoever our, you know, version of Dave Smith is, we're not going to go vote Democrat. They just all go vote Democrat. And then, you know, you end up with these ridiculous situations that have been in the news uh, for the past 11 months. You know what I mean? So the Libertarian Party itself is irrelevant uh, largely. Like, that's not to say that Libertarian ideas are irrelevant, um, but the party itself, like – it's a political organization right i mean this is a this is a nationally recognized political party this isn't like a a facebook group or something like this is a legitimate political party um on paper like it's granted that existence by the credentialed class um but there's zero chance of it ever winning uh you know at all so so that's not really a strategy like if we all got together and and said Hey, let's, I have a great idea. Let's start a softball team and we'll just go play as a joke. We'll go into a serious league, but our goal will, will not be to actually win any softball games. Um, You know, because that's unreasonable. We'll just be spreading the message about our team and uh, we'll see what people think about that. And uh, maybe we'll take some votes from this other softball team that might win. Like that's, that wouldn't be a very good strategy. And that's the position that the LP, whether they like it or not, is in. Like that, they 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 have no chance of relevance other than hurting uh, the other, you know, mainstream party. That is, like it or not, more closely aligned. Obviously, the GOP and the LP are very different, but the GOP is closer to the LP than than the DNC is.
0: Yeah, it's funny because we all know that that's kind of the the line that the libertarian party supporters say is that oh we're not really we're just trying to spread a message and that's that's fine that's all well and good but they say that but then you hear the candidates talking when it's time to try to get donations and support and it's like well if we get you know they're 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 telling a different story at that point where it's like well we can win if we uh you know if if people come out and vote for us and and so it's kind of like well (laughs) It's kind of, a, you know, what, what is it? What is it? Are you, are you trying to get
3: well, right? Right. And like, if you, if you put it in the context of business, like if you ran a small company that was a, a tiny fraction of the size of a, of a bigger corporation and you needed to hire, you know, like a, a sales manager or something. And some guy came in and was like, well, you know, you know, we're, if your goal was to be the next Amazon, and you were the size of like a local bookstore and some guy was like, yeah, we're, you know, we're just going to spread the message about this bookstore. Uh, that would not be a way of achieving your goal. Right. So like, what is the goal of the libertarian party? Like as a party, you know, that, that's not a question about like, what, what is libertarian philosophy, but what's the goal of the actual capital L libertarian party? Uh, it's not to win elections. So if, if the libertarian party is the vehicle for empowering libertarian philosophy and its goal is not to win elections why would you if you value your time if you have low time preference even give it one ounce of effort
0: right yeah it's yeah That's, yeah,
3: I mean, we, we did
1: an episode on this last year, right, Rallo? I think we did. We, we've year? done a
0: couple where just we years ago, I don't criticized. know, where we talked about
1: just the waste of time with the LP. But, like, the Republicans suck, and Republicans have been in charge. Like George W. Bush had both houses, didn't he? I mean, they didn't do anything, anything libertarian. We got the Homeland Security, we got wars, we got Patriot Act. yeah. You know, I mean, they're not doing anything and I don't trust them going forward. Now, if you run Libertarian, like Ron Paul was a great Republican candidate. Of course, he didn't win either and didn't get any respect on TV. So (laughs) I kind of just throw my hands up and don't think there's a good political strategy for Libertarians.
3: Well, the only, uh, you know, there's there's not an easy political strategy for Libertarians. There, There may or may not be a good one. There's certainly not an easy one. And you know when you have guys like Ron Paul, uh, to a lesser extent Rand Paul, uh, there there have been a, a handful of Massey, like um, maybe. right yeah. Thomas Massey, um, There's been a handful of like, I'll use this term loosely, so I don't want everybody like, you know, blow me up on Twitter about it. But like libertarian adjacent GOP Congress people. Uh, who have had kind of a disproportionately sized impact on electoral politics. Massey's been a good one. Rand Paul has been the only person in Congress who's even come close to holding Fauci accountable in public. Like he, Rand Paul has been the only, the only person who's gone toe to toe with Fauci and even been able to put a blemish on the guy. And that's not nothing. Uh, But I I mean, I think you're probably right at the national scale. Like, yeah, of course, uh, the GOP, not great. I mean, Patriot Act, War on Drugs, all this type of thing um, that we all know have been bad. Uh, But in the post-Trump era and in the COVID era, uh, it seems like some of these libertarian adjacent GOP congresspeople have had some level of impact. And you have governors like DeSantis and Greg Abbott, who, while they're not perfect, uh, have created material benefit for the electorate in those states. Like, like, I mean, I'm in Florida. I have a mortgage. I have a wife. I have kids. I have a job. If I was in a state that had vaccine mandates, layoffs, work from home, you know, if I, Michigan, where you, you weren't even supposed to be able to go outside to garden, you know, all this type of stuff. Uh, this would have been materially very negative for me, my family, you know, and our, our overall well-being from financial and mental health standpoints. And because, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis has taken the, you know, the postures that he has, uh, it's not really something I have to worry about at least anywhere close to the extent of like blue States. And it's the same thing for Texas. And to me, you know, looking at this in the last 18 years, I go, well, holy shit, you know, uh, skin in the game, this this kind of matters. Like if my choice is between a GOP that I don't really align with, but that does seem to, uh, if nothing else, uh, you know, oppose Joe Biden about whether or not people can be locked inside their homes. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll take that because that's the situation that we're in right now. Uh, if things go back to normal, go back to like that uh, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like that sweet 2009 era or 2010 era of life in the United States, when all we're dealing with is like a financial recession and everything else is normal, uh, you know, then I would probably feel differently. But right now, uh, the body that's in power, once you, you know, kicked out of your kid's classroom, they want you working from home doing a spreadsheet job, or they want you wearing a hazmat suit delivering Uber Eats. And they want you on a subscription plan for, you know, vaccines. And this is all very deranged, like next level stuff. And so if a guy like, you know, Greg Abbott, Ron DeSantis, The Bishop, Thomas Massey, any of these guys want to step in and say, Hey, I'm going to use some type of political power, which is recognized by the, you know, institutions that we have in this country as being the legitimate opposition class to keep people in a better condition in like a meaningful way. For me, I have to look at that and go, okay, well, I, I can at least offer like tacit support of that uh, instead of just saying like, well, you know, uh, Rothbard would have done this or, or something like that. Well, Rothbard's probably right, but he's not in my position, if, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I think there's one of the things I've been thinking about with, with exactly what you're saying is that – it's not like I, I agree with everything you said like at at this moment right now, I would much rather live in DeSantis, Florida or in Abbott, Texas than you know New York, California, Michigan, these states um you know for as as much of a like guy I want to kick in the teeth, Tom Wolf is um and slappy, you can comment on this too I like Pennsylvania's just been kind of like eh. I haven't really had much of an issue. I, think, I don't live in like Philadelphia is a different story yeah, when you I, live in the city. I avoid the city. Right. I haven't really I haven't in city. had an issue. <laughs> yeah, I haven't re- I just ignore all the rules. Yeah. And th- and that's, you know, I'm I'm just throwing that out there as an example of a state that's just kind of like kind of hanging out enough. in the middle of everything. Um but Texas and Florida and a few other states are, are absolutely taking the lead on um, resisting this crazy stuff. But I think one thing that libert- – and I'm not saying putting words in your mouth, Lee. I'm just saying generally when we're taking this approach with backing you know, these – the kind of the normie politics stuff is that like I think libertarians have to be careful when they're identifying someone like a Massey, uh, a DeSantis or an Abbott. That while they might be moving in the direction of the ends that we want, like it wasn't libertarians that got them elected. It wasn't libertarians that were pushing the needle or anything. They just have – now that they're in this position, since they're kind of more generally aligned towards libertarian stuff than your average Democrat would be, that yes, they are convenient and useful – in this moment right now, but as Slappy was saying earlier, like Republicans have been generally awful. Um, Trump was the one who was in charge, who was president when lockdowns first, you know, happened, when um, they were shutting down the economy, when they were starting Did to he spend any money, yeah, starting to promote, uh, getting you know, the vaccines for everybody. Um, so it's like that, that long term solution of what do we do? I, I like I still just have to reject the political thing um while you know your house is burning down. Like you're gonna steal steal your neighbor's fire extinguisher to try to put it out? Sure. Yeah, of course you are, as as opposed to let your entire house burn down. Um but I think there's like I guess how do we walk or if you agree that there's kind of a line we got to walk step here early, like how do we walk that? How long do we stay in the political thing? What do we do? Or, or like, are we or as like, are there things that we should be doing in parallel to this? Like trying to, yes, we're using the Republicans right now, but like we're working on ways to to like obsolete them so that we don't ever have to rely on them because they are. Well, they can be weapons for us in the moment. It could, you know that gun could very easily blow up in our hands if we use it too much.
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, convenient and useful are, you know, pretty powerful words. I think you're correct. Uh, in this instance where it's like, okay, sure. This makes sense right now, long-term, you know, cause it, cause it is the Republican party. It's not the libertarian party. Uh, so you can use them right now. That's fine. Uh, it, but nothing says you have to, you know, use the GOP in the future or that kind of thing. Um, but the reality is that libertarians are a very small percentage of the U.S. population. They're a very small percentage of the voting population. Uh, the LP got less votes. Uh, I think like half as many votes in uh, 2020 as they did in 2016. I think I think it was like uh, yeah, 1.6 percent last pathetic. time. It was like it was like it was like over over three percent. The time before that so the lp as a party it's unclear whether that uh you know not only are they you know ineffective in general but uh they're they're less effective than they have been before uh you know so there's probably not a political solution if you are a libertarian who wants to live in a libertarian society like like just to be honest mm-hmm. like like i said and and I'm saying that as someone who agrees with these ideas, I'm not saying that they're bad ideas. I'm just saying that nobody really wants them. Like we've had, what, the last two years for guys like Dave Smith, who I respect and who are eloquent speakers, to travel around the country and spread the message uh, you know, of quote-unquote liberty to people who have been told that they're going to be locked in their homes and uh, forcefully injected and that their kids are going to be wearing masks and all this type of stuff. And it, it's been rejected. Like it, it, the market approach, like the market of ideas approach um, hasn't worked. That's fine. Uh, but from a party standpoint, it means that you should probably quit. Like, like Steppy said, it, it's probably time to, to dissolve, you know, the LP and, and do something else. And, and, and I don't say that as a pessimist. Uh, there are a lot of things to be optimistic about with, within like the greater community. Uh, Bitcoin is hitting all time highs like basically every week. Uh, you know, practical things like, like 3d printing is, is, you know, better than it's ever been before. Like these are meaningful ways that you can actualize uh, personal sovereignty. It's, it's not something to be, you know, blackpilled about. And I don't, I don't say this to just sound like down about it. Um, but I, I just don't think there is a solution. I, I don't think it's going to happen.
2: Yeah. I, I think uh, you definitely touched upon something Very important there, which is that spreading the message is a failed strategy. Uh, The idea that most people value uh, liberty in any real sense uh, is false at this point. The largest contingent of people who are useful to the ideal of liberty are uh, your more rural red state Republicans at this point. Uh, you can appeal to them with rhetoric of the Founding Fathers and uh, actually get them to take very uh, libertarian stances on certain issues like guns. Uh, but beyond that, the idea of actually spreading the message as a primary approach Is foolish and frankly, it's democratic. Which I thought uh, we were supposed to be red pilled on democracy, (laughs) right? Like uh, it it doesn't need to be a popularity contest. So I think uh, it's a matter of what can you control and what can you force, right? Like you can control yourself, and this is actually something the post libertarian types have been very good about, uh, and the Bitcoiners uh, should maximize your personal. Uh, you know, health, wealth, power influence agency, right? Like it, that's something you can control. You can uplift your friends, your community. Uh, and I think, uh, it, you know, everyone is going to be the judge of their own local situation. But I do believe seizing local power and uh, using it to, you know, at least carve out a little bit of sanity for yourself is, is something that can work for certain people in certain locations, whether that be, you know, getting on your school board and getting the, you know weird sex books out of the curriculum or whatever like th- that fight's going to be different wherever you go but there are certain battles worth fighting at that local level too so it's kind of a diversity of strategies is good but like really like people have to stop talking and acting like losers <laughs> and, and if you're not winning don't even do it like if just spend your time wisely
3: yeah that's a that's a major point that these guys are uh you know doing a good job on if you're going to talk about strategy um you know what what this means loosely you know is, is kind of achieving an outcome like that's you know what it means to be effective and your strategy serves that purpose so i mean this the, your strategy should be just a kind of a handbook for, for decision making uh in times of uncertainty and you know if you can win a local election that's pretty major if you can, you know, put some points on the board about these things that matter, um, you know, in your local community.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with that. I would just, I I don't even know how much of a pushback it is other than just like a, uh, a reiteration of what you said, Steppy about like, if it makes sense in your situation. Um, I like I did back in my, I think I was out of college, but like my local, uh, my, in my borough, they needed, I knew the, uh, the guy who was kind of in charge of the Republicans in my borough and they needed some people to run, um, run for the borough council. And so, yeah, I'll do it. And, uh, I was in a, my, where I grew up was pretty blue. Um, I actually had some name recognition because my dad's cousin was involved in, in local politics and McFlugel is, uh, not that common of a name. name. yeah. So, uh, so like I got, I got votes, um, compared to the, my people I was running with and in, in the Republican party, but like you still got just destroyed. Um, and part of that was that like, I didn't do anything too. like. <laughs> and so so that's kind of a, a you know criticism of of uh, like what we were trying because we just like I, I got my like a little article and a couple pictures in the paper but like we didn't like campaign or anything but at the same time like I just had no desire to actually go do any sort of campaign because it is a lot of work and if you want to do this kind of thing you know you have to understand that even if it's a local local thing I mean, local politics is still nasty and dirty and you're not going to walk, you're not going to walk into your local GOP and just kind of like take it over and have your own agenda. Uh, There's, there's places that are going to be different. Of course, maybe, maybe there is some place or some places out there that, you know, they really don't have much power control and stuff and you can just kind of come in and, and just be a strong leader and, and, and kind of take over. But, Man, I think those those places are few and far between. So, um, if you're not willing or, to put in the time and the effort to really make a difference, um, it could be really really just a, a, a losing strategy that doesn't even get you on past like a, a primary.
3: Yeah, I mean that's a very fair point. Uh the LP has been trying, you know. Forever to make the difference. Well, and and that uh same with, There's no guarantee of success. Like I I, local politics, of course. Um, it is a dirty game. This is uh local politics gets you know uh to Steppy's point, to to stop talking and acting like losers. Uh you know, there's not a lot of losers in local politics. This is usually your local uh you know, business leaders. These are these are leaders in your communities. And they usually have pretty good patronage networks that are established. You're not going to be able to walk in and be like, hey, guys, uh, you know, I've got 600 followers on Twitter, uh, $200 and a copy of Anatomy of the State. Like, where's the keys to this building? Uh, You know, it's it's not going to work if you're if you're taking over uh, local politics in places where it's contested. um, You know, that takes a lot of, of effort because you're firing someone. Like you're, you're going in there and you're, you're taking someone's income from them and they're going to fight you for it. Uh, you know, so it's obviously important to find places where like uh, that's a viable strategy, right? I, I mean, if, if, if being effective again means obtaining a result, the guys that are taking action on this are going to have to figure out how to identify these districts that are vulnerable to this type of attack vector um, and not waste their time in like you know, New York City, for instance. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I agree. From what I've heard, uh, out of you know people, it, it kind of seems like maybe they're underestimating that risk and that challenge a little bit. Um, you know, to to your point, like to yeah. be fair, it's it's not a, not a cakewalk.
1: That was the one thing I thought was funniest about them is they'll say like. You're living in Ancapistan in your head. It's like, yeah, and you're living in po- local politics in your head because you don't have a shot at winning. Like, I don't know if they have any. It's like they just woke up one day and were like, oh, local politics, let's do that. And have no idea what that game is. Like, anyone well, who's been involved yeah. knows how corrupt that is. Like, that's right, probably right. worse yeah. than national politics.
3: Yeah, and, know, and, and this is in, usually you – know? right. This is usually decided by whoever has the most money in the county. Right. Uh, you know just just to be blunt about it like i've uh you know you know seen interactions where it's you know in in person you know where it's just like okay well this like uh you know wealthy people get involved in politics on the back end not on the front end uh you know there's no money in in politics unless you're at the national level and even then that's only through corruption
1: Mm -hmm. like
3: like a i mean a a congressperson makes one hundred seventy-four thousand dollars a year um you know, which is a tidy salary, but that you're not out earning, uh, the lawyers in, in your County, uh, you're nowhere near out earning the doctors. You're not out earning, uh, most upper management and sized companies. So yeah, I mean, the money's on the back end, especially in local politics. And unless you're connected, unless you have somebody or an in, um, you know, that's, that's going to be an uphill battle too. Um, And that is, you know, probably something to be mindful of, like for uh, the post-libertarian group, Um, you know, and I don't mean that as an insult, like, I'm sure they're not idiots. This is something that I would imagine they have considered. Uh, But, you know, this is somebody's job. This is someone's influence. And they've had the seat longer than you. They know the system. I mean, you're you're an underdog. Um, And the other side of it, too, you also have to be willing to be the man in the arena, which, which, you know, there's uh, like the meme about like, okay, you live in Ancapistan in your head, That there's some truth to that. Um, Like that's, that's a fair criticism in a lot of ways, but you also have to be careful that you don't just talk about winning local elections and then never go do anything because like the only thing worse than living in Ancapistan in your head is just like not driving the, the two miles to your city hall to file the paperwork. Like mm-hmm. if that's going to be your strategy.
0: Yeah, I think you uh, you said a, a few minutes ago about how the the political local political leaders are just the local community leaders, and I they also have the news. I mean, I I know newspapers
1: aren't as big as they were even like five ten years ago, but the local press you're not going to get any press. Forget it. Well, like, yeah, you're. This is. It would have to be such a. Huge effort to get some unknown weirdo on Twitter elected because you're not getting any support locally, at least out of the gate.
0: Well, yeah, and that's the point I was going to make is that these guys that are the local political leaders are just the local community leaders. They're the ones with that already just kind of have wealth and power from just being influential people. And so I think that's where I mean this is kind of playing the longer game, but I think that's what you have to work on. Is you have to work on developing, you know, yourself as a as a non political community leader. You know, making a, a good, strong family, building wealth, um, and so that you do become someone that people rely on, and you can start building influence that way. And then like the, like the political stuff will come downstream of that just because you're already a person that's, that's well-known, well-regarded, can get things done. Um, you know, that's, that, that's a much longer play, but at the same time, like you're improving your own life, you're improving your own family's life, you're improving, you know, you're working with your neighbors to build a better community around you. So you're actually like building a strong foundation Um, for yourself, that's going to be me, like actually have meaning for you and your family, as opposed to kind of trying to skip those steps and just chasing after the, uh, um, it's kind of like, you know, going into a, a weightlifting contest without, you know, training. It's just kind of jumping in and being like, oh, these guys that have been, you know, I'll, 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 I can throw some weight around. Let me, uh, let me just go in there and do it. Well, I mean, maybe you get lucky because everybody like gets injured when they're throwing their weight up and you can, you can bench press, you know, a 100 pounds and win the contest. But <laughs> that's, that's probably not how it's going to go down. And, and you're really not helping yourself out by, by doing that strategy either. So, um, you know, whether that's, Just, you know, well, I, and, and Lee, I think you mentioned this is, you know, doing the Bitcoin thing. I mean, that's, Slappy and I talk about this all the time. When we were just, before we like really got into Bitcoin, like the idea that we were going to go out and, you know, achieve libertarianism one way or the other by like going and convincing people was like depressing. It was like, I, like, this is, should, what's even the point? But once Bitcoin came out, and you got this way to just like oh, people are just going to do the economically more productive thing without even having to convince them of any economics, politics, ethics, what have you. They're just gonna they're just gonna choose a number go up. Um, I mean, that's just an absolutely fantastic thing to do. So now I can, you know, I've been talking a lot how I'm on a going on a Bitcoin standard and really trying to minimize any dollars I have I'm not expecting everybody to go run out and do that but just starting to save in Bitcoin and starting to actually you know maintain uh, the value that you created when you go out and do work and now you're able to walk a little bit taller and so when people want you know you have savings to back up your morals you have savings to actually go out and 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 accomplish things things you want to do and so it's great for your own individual wealth and, and well-being, but it's also like chipping away at the state. And as more people start to recognize, oh, this guy's like actually successful in doing what he wants to do, you know, in part because he's got Bitcoin, maybe I should get some of that too. And and so it's kind of, again, it's it's a longer play. It's, you got to be real patient with it. Um, you're not going to necessarily see, you know, the state just crumble right before your eyes, but uh, you're kind of chipping away and eroding a lot more, and that's that's why I like those things like Bitcoin, things like 3D printing. You just obsolete these obstacles that are getting in your way. Um, again, those things aren't going to undo vaccine mandates t- t- tomorrow, but um, you know, I I I just I think that has to be thing that's happening in parallel no matter what else what other strategy you have and the good thing is it's not really that difficult to do it's not like buying bitcoin is going to take up you know four hours of your day you could you could set it automatically if you if you want to
2: so uh a a related thought to this like you know there's like the the cantillon effect for like how uh fiat uh moves through the economy uh, I, I think that it, you know there's a related effect here with like uh, you know first mover advantage on Bitcoin right like libertarians benefited immensely from that just the fact that like this like liberating form of technology happened to align really well with Austrian economics uh, you know disproportionately people who believe in sound money and low time preference are going to benefit from that power first and that's going to be a good thing for the world similarly i think uh political power is something that has inertia to it and takes a while to propagate through economies right so people who plant the seeds of political power or accumulating bitcoin or whatever uh, you know, just like gaining power and strength in any one of these low time preference ways, like they're going to be the first to enjoy that as they solidify that gain, and then those people around them who they choose to share it with are going to be the next to enjoy it. So, it, it, like i want to empower people i like (laughs) i want to empower my in-group right and i like i want them like to empower me and i don't care if the people i hate get liberty or bitcoin until the last second right they can have it whatever but i'm never going to advocate for them and and that's another uh, like way that i part ways with a lot of like normie libertarians is they'll talk about universal principles and stuff. And it's like, I'm done kind of simping for my enemy. Like, I agree there are universal ideals, but I'm not going to sweat it. I, I like if people hate me, like they can, you know, F off. Like, it, it, like, I'm not going to like, m- you know, make their life miserable. But I'm not gonna, like, I'm not going to say like, well, technically, you know, DeSantis also made a, an executive mandate. So really it's just, which tyrant do you believe? Like, blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, rambling kind of thing. But I think it's it's important that good people accumulate good things first, and that's like I, I want libertarians to accumulate good things.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you, and that's why there's a lot of us in in the Bitcoin community who are libertarians are so frustrated by a lot of resistance to Bitcoin because it's like, man, we should be the ones that are reaping the immediate rewards of this kind of thing but you know some people are going to have fun staying poor and they're not going to make it
1: (laughs) that's true um one thing i want to say to that though is and this goes back to like the twitter arguments with the, the 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 praxian types is they'll say the libertarian strategy should be x and then someone says that's not libertarian and they say you're dogmatic well, it's not libertarian. Like you might say, you might say that's the way to go. I don't really care about my enemies either. I don't care what they do. I hope they get poor and I hope they go away. Um, you know, I wouldn't shed too many tears <laughs> like the Kyle Rittenhouse guy. You know, the his victim. I don't, I'm not like crying for, him. and that was clearly self defense, so it's probably irrelevant. But you know, like we we mentioned on the last episode, if Tom Wolf in Pennsylvania came out and said. Um, i am make it a rule that says businesses can't force the me- the vaccine. I would say, yeah, that's cool, but it's not libertarian. Does that make me dog like stuck in Ancapistan in my head? I mean, it's not libertarian.
0: Yeah, I, there was something when I think it was, I guess it was when Texas rolled out their uh, their anti-mandate mandate and someone was like, oh, the Lulberts are going to come out and say, are going to have or say, well, this is not libertarian. And he said it in a way that was trying to take a shot more. And I was like, well, it's not like, it's not libertarian. I'm not saying like, don't, I'm not saying we should like reject it, but like call it what it is. And I think that's, what's causing a lot of consternation among the ranks is that it's like, all right, this thing that a politician does is moving closer to where we want to go, but it's kind of in a riding on the rumble strip a little bit as far as the uh the pure libertarian ethics go and i think as far as just wanting to walk through the exercise of what constitutes you know allowable in in libertarianism is fine and i think it's healthy to do that just so that we're kind of keeping our our bearings about us because we don't want to kind of delve too deeply into what the uh, what trying to wield political power does. And I, and I think that, you know, I don't want to rehash the episode last week, but I think ACE brought up some good points about some of these guys who call themselves Praxians or post-libertarians that they are like explicitly like going, going too far into it and thinking that they can, they can hold the ring of Sauron or whatever it's called from Lord of the Rings. And, you know, not have it blow up in their faces. Um, You know, I think politics using the political machine is acceptable when you're using it to try to, in in self-defense, but when you try to start explicitly centrally planning to solve these problems, it's just, it's just never going to work. I kind of went off on a tangent there uh, from what you were saying, Steppy, but.
2: Well, mine was a tangent <laughs> off yours.
1: so
0: <laughs> Yeah, we're just throwing throwing the uh the nebulous uh what have you of our minds, just throwing ideas out. We well, yeah, I think you were uh, going to pop in and say something.
3: Yeah, uh Yeah, as far as uh you know, like this concept central planning goes, um, especially at the local level. Uh one you know, I mean I, I heard the episode uh chat with Ace last week, I agreed with the vast majority of it. Um and I heard the episode that Pete did with um Andrew from from Popular Liberty and Dave Smith. Um you know, the stuff about like the anti tax and that type of thing. It, like Local government to me and maybe uh, I don't live in a major metro like New York or something. Um, you know my town, like honestly like as like a city goes, it runs runs pretty decent. I don't know that there's a need to like reinvent the wheel here. like local governments have way less of a fudge factor than the federal government does in terms of budgeting and outcomes and all that type of thing. I think it would be good enough to just win the chair right? Like if if you could go sit in the seat, you go sit in the swivel chair at the the county commission meeting and things like that, um, and make decisions with like a libertarian leaning, uh, you know, agenda, you'd probably do more good than just throwing out, uh, you know, decades or, you know, a century of successful budgeting and things like that.
0: Yeah. It's just, you're trying to, to knock down additional spending and, you know, like like someone said, having weird sex books in school, like it just it's just you're saying no to a lot of stuff, which is which is yeah, which is I think good and, and acceptable.
3: Yeah, right. There's uh, say, saying no is is uh, you know, no is the most powerful word in your vocabulary, just to use a trope. Um, but that's that's true. Uh, you know, so yeah, that's a a really great tool uh, in terms of that type of thing, like. You know and i don't want to sound too too down on um the approach of like taking action like local politics getting involved whatever even if it's just simple activism um because i, I do think a good example of this has been chris rufo and uh people uh you know on the right wing especially kind of or in a lot of ways is guilty of, of that like loser mindset that Steppy you know, kind of talked about earlier where it's like, stop sounding like a loser. Like the right wing loves to just say like, you know, we'll never win or we're never going to have any power. This isn't how this works. Like the activism is for, for morons. Um, and then Chris Rufo single-handedly probably upended um, most plans for like a CRT based curriculum in any school district. that's not deeply, deeply, deeply progressive. Like this was one guy just publishing stuff on Twitter and articles on the internet um, about what kids were reading in classroom. And it struck a chord with parents. Um, this obviously coincides heavily with like the school closures and electronic classrooms. Um, and it forced the progressives, you know, to take a, take a stand and say like, Hey, parents have no place in the classroom. We're, we're going to make the decisions about what your kids get taught I mean, you, how many teachers do we see on Twitter saying that the classroom is a safe space for their students to discuss sexuality and religion and all these types of things? And you're talking about like sixth graders. Uh, and obviously, Chris Rufo kind of blew that up. And he got uh, a lot of doubt from a lot of people, including right wing. I mean, I've heard guys like Curtis Yarvin say that like well he he doesn't understand like the the dynamics of power and the system's not going to let him do this and um, there's a lot of naysayers you know and okay like that's fine there's a whole economy centered around that um but you know never sell somebody short who's willing to just put words into action uh which i which is one of the reasons why i'm hesitant to get too critical for like the uh, Uh, like localist guys and the guys that want to get involved with normie politics or um, activism or things like that. Because if if you can take action, um, you know, there are a lot of things that that bother a lot of people. And we've kind of been psyoped into believing that like, we don't have any control over it. It's just like, well, yeah, CNN just lies. Okay, but like, what really, like, why do we accept that? Like, oh, well, you know, you got to put a mask on your kid or else some, uh, some college kid with blue hair is going to start start recording you on their phone. Okay, well, why do we have to accept that? What if we took action against that? You know what I mean? And there's been a few places that have done that successfully. Chris Rufo is an example of activism um, that's worked out. And it, it really just cost um, the Democrats from the progressive agenda as far as um, the, the, you know, that weird, you know, sex freak, like ideology about kids changing genders and stuff like this. I mean, it just cost them the election and this was in a county that went Biden by like 10 points in a a blue state in a blue county um, or, you know, blue county in a blue state completely upended just, just by, you know, Chris Rufo's anti-CRT stuff in in large part, obviously there were other factors. Um, But I don't want to just write these guys off and say that like, well, yeah, local politics is hard. Well, I mean, all politics is hard because you're talking about, you know, taking power from someone else and then using it against them and, you know, getting a a general consensus, um, you know, and then not only that doing an efficient job at it. I mean, it's difficult. So if your criticism, and I don't mean you, you know, but I mean, you know, the people who are largely criticizing uh, praxeology, post-libertarianism, this type of stuff, if your criticism is that that like, well, it's just too hard and I don't think you're going to do a good job. Well, you know, we might want to gut check that, like, I would consider some of these guys ideologically, like kind of my friends, like, why would I write my friends off or say that I don't think they're capable of doing a good job? You know what I mean? Like, I hope they do a good job. And I think that uh, it's the right philosophy. And I think that, you know, sitting in the chair and taking that power and saying, hey, no, you guys aren't going to do this. No, we're not going to tolerate this stuff. No, you're going to teach kids how to read you're going to teach kids how to do math and you're going to shut up about changing genders and you're not going to give them books full of child porn and we're not going to you know do this type of stuff and i don't want to see it again you know i wish them success in that right yeah totally
1: agree yeah but yeah my point was just uh it's like you know we'll just do local politics it's like oh okay well then go do it but It's not like you just show up and get elected. Well, Like, you you know, you can't just say like, um, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but what what I think Rallo and I, what we've often said is that kind of, I think everyone has a place, like without people spreading the message, people don't get the message. And you can do that through your local school board. If you can do, if that's a viable option, but to be like a Twitter guy, or whatever, whoever you are, and think you're just going to walk into local politics and just get elected, it doesn't work that way. You got to, like you're saying, like Chris Rufo, he put in the work and he did a lot of work and put a lot of time in. You don't just show up and be like, hey, I'm the guy, and and then get elected. Like in my local school district, our entire board flipped to Republicans from five Democrats to five Republicans. Sure, I don't know that any of them we're libertarian um, but i do know that lots of parents went to these board meetings to protest their kids wearing masks and not talking at lunchtime and you know spread whatever social distancing and you, all all the rules that are out there and the board was being arrogant aholes to them yeah banging their gavel not letting them talk and they all got thrown out i think that's a positive but i don't i don't know you know i don't know how many libertarians were just walked in and got elected or how many of those people were entrenched in the local community already so what i think rallo is saying and i think we're all saying is go do something like be someone go out in your community build a business like meet people be involved in your school or your whatever your local sports know people be a happy person like that people like, and then you can get elected, but it doesn't happen by in October saying we need to get elected. Uh, elections in November, all you people talking about libertarianism are losers. We're the winners. You're like,
3: all right, <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, r- right. Certainly, certainly. <clears throat> and, you know, I mean, I think, um, you know, from a political standpoint, the reason, you uh, you know, libertarianism is kind of a non-starter is because I don't know, I, I view libertarianism in a lot of ways. It's like, that's just kind of like my intuitive belief, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't have to like apply a lot of mental gymnastics to believe in like, you know, widely accepted libertarian, you know, concepts like free speech or, uh, you know, gun ownership or things like that. Um And it's kind of a rare situation right now. It's a one-off situation where, um i think the progressives and the democrats the left made a really big strategic error a big tactical blunder um with their decision kind of to like leave the the cathedral so to speak like the people that you're dealing with at the local level um the, the county school board like these are wine moms right these you're not dealing with you know with trotsky like, this, this is a wine mom, so she's going to say some stupid stuff, she's going to have a bad attitude about it, about, well, you know, I'm on the school board and I get to tell your kids what to do, and they're going to lose everything, because that's not how it works at the local level. So, yeah, I mean, people do have to put in the work, but um, I don't know, I, I, I would not... Uh, the, the criticism I've seen leveled against them is, is a lot of like, hey, this isn't the libertarian way of doing it or that, that using politics is a NAF violation, um, you know, that type of thing, which uh, depending on the, the situation, I don't, I don't necessarily know that that, you know, applies like the, there's no way out of doing the actual work uh, if you're going to try and become a local politician. But I wouldn't say that it's inherently unethical.
0: Right. Yeah. I would agree with that. I would yeah. say, I mean, I mean, especially I in, in the too. face
3: of like what you're dealing with right now, Right. Sure. like you're dealing with people who are doing really weird outlandish stuff. Uh, you know, but it, it's given like a springboard for people to care about. Like that's the, like the first rule of storytelling, right. Is like, make me care. Well, when you start involving people like kids, they start to care about it. And Absolutely. so people, then people will listen to ideas like, hey, you know, why don't we just teach these kids how to read? You know, why, why would we let these people teach kids about uh, very complex ideas like human sexuality uh, or intersectional, uh, you know, race relationships and class antagonism when you can't teach a third grader how to read? Like, why would I let you, who has a, a 40% success rate at teaching kids how to read, also teach kids about human sexuality? This doesn't make sense. You're out. My guy's in. We're just going to worry about reading and math and recess right now. It, it, you know, and that's reached a pretty good outcome in a lot of places. So it can be done uh, if, if you're willing to put in the work. But that that's going to be a question for these guys. The, the onus is on them, but I won't criticize them uh, for saying that they're, they're going to take the route.
0: Yeah, uh, and I think at the end of the day, like – I don't think anyone here is trying to say that they're like debating over what the one strategy is. I think it's already been said a few times, like you can, there's a lot of stuff you can do. And I would just say, if you're going to do something that is high effort and resource intensive, um, make sure it's something that you've got leverage with, make sure it's something that you like your talents are suited for. If you're not, if you're someone that like hates public speaking and hates talking to people, like, don't go run for your local school board. Like you, you're, you're gonna hate doing it. And you're not gonna do a good job. Um, find something that that suits your uh, suits your talents. Um, for things that that are high effort, there's other things that are kind of, you know, the lower effort things that that can move the needle a little bit, but tend to take a little bit longer. And so, you know, that's you you can worry a little bit less about the. May, maybe about the uh, the efficacy of it if it's if it's very low effort like you don't have to do that much like just showing up and voting like if if you like i don't care like i i i don't vote um i think it's pointless and useless um but if someone says hey i really i think i should vote like go for it because it doesn't it's take it yeah well, it doesn't take any of your time it doesn't like it doesn't really matter much if it if if you were if you yeah. had to go out and spend you know uh, 200 hours doing something related to voting before you go vote, then I'd be having a different conversation with you. If you said, yeah, I think I should be go and vote in these elections.
3: Yeah, right. Of course. And the other side of it too, that is uh, is inconvenient is that, uh, a lot of this stuff is very situational and, uh, regionally dependent. Like, like, you know, if you say like, okay, well voting, uh, doesn't, you know, it's irrelevant. Um, I mean, I haven't voted consistently uh, in my life I'm in my mid thirties and I haven't voted in every election uh, for basically the same reason. You know, there's a lot of times where uh, maybe, you know, I don't really care one way or the other because they're two relatively moderate candidates or the policies on the issue on the table are ones that don't affect me. Um, You know, so yeah, sure. Like if it's, if it doesn't affect you, um, or if you have no chance of winning, like if you're in a deep blue county or a deep blue state and you're going to go vote for a GOP guy, uh, when it's going to be, you know, like a, a 70, 30 split. Yeah. You're probably wasting your time. You know, just to be honest. Um, so like, I totally get that. Uh, you know, but overall, like, I think this annoys libertarian personality types because a lot of uh, you know libertarians like uh, you know like I don't really like dox anybody but I, I don't think anybody in this uh, on this podcast works in the, the creative field or the humanities and sociology fields we're, we're all uh, doing stuff that you know in, involves like math and numbers and analytics and business and things like that right So you know when you say like well, actually this is very complex and there's a lot of inputs uh, and it's situationally dependent and there's, you can't just draft like a, a flow chart or, or, you know, a systems diagram. It's not a one size fits all thing. There's a lot of nuance and social like skills and soft skills that goes into this. Um, it's easy. It's easy for me to just be like, yeah, fuck that man. That sounds miserable, you know? <laughs> uh, but the reality is like some, it's somebody's going to have to do this. If, if, if we are uh, to move towards like a, a more, uh, property rights focused, uh, social consensus, a more free speech focused consensus, uh, a, you know, Austrian, you know, econ's consensus, anything that's even close. Someone's going to have to do this. You know, I mean, that's, that's just the uncomfortable truth.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and I kind of said this earlier with saying that like you know Desantis and Abbott didn't get elected because of of libertarians, and not to say because I don't know I don't even know how to say this well because I don't want to make it to be like that I'm saying you should be apathetic about stuff because I certainly don't want to say that, but like you know the Democrats, the leftists, the progressive, whatever you want to call them, that like push things too far, like you don't need libertarians per se to be the ones pushing everything back in the other election um you know libertarians in the, this past election that saw uh what's his name uh governor blackface in virginia lose yeah northern uh, yeah, yeah North and, North. and these other things it's like libertarians were not like galvanized at all and, and not like coordinated to like <laughs> be active or to help politically really um, in these elections. And they, and a lot of them turned in the other direction. So I think it's just like the normie politics, the pendulum is going to swing back and forth the way it's going to. Um, So I I say that as kind of an optimistic thing. Uh, It sounds like I'm saying, oh, you just don't even have to do, no one has to do anything because people actually have Someone has to do something. But I think that, uh, I, I think as, as things get pushed in, in the left direction, that you're, you're just going to see a, it's going to get pushed back. <laughs> yeah. That people, people are going to get sick and fed up with stuff. So I guess that would be my other, other point to say, like to put less of an emphasis on the political routes because you're going to just naturally kind of gain allies that are going to do your bidding for you so that that frees you up to do other other things that you know the republicans wouldn't be doing like the republicans aren't going to be manufacturing guns <laughs> in their basement
3: right yeah yeah and, and that's very true um i think there's probably some room and maybe an argument to be made for uh you know everybody can ro- you know ro- roll your eyes but you know, basically holding, like, if you're going to go the GOP route, you need to make sure that the the GOP guys that you vote for uh, are going to do what you want them to do, right? Like, the GOP uh, in the post-Trump era and and kind of because of Trump has really swung more towards, uh, in some ways, a populist message, pro-gun message, um, you know, pro-free speech message, they do it, uh, you know, poorly. They, these are ham-fisted, like, like boomer tier attempts at things, right? Like you have Parlor where you've got a bunch of boomers like uploading pictures of their driver's licenses to, you know, <laughs> to, to, to use a, a free speech platform, <laughs> uh, or you have um, that uh, Lauren Boebert you know, bringing like her her pistol and her like cheesy holster to Congress or something. Like, these things are, are silly uh, to us, but culturally this stuff matters. Like, you know, yeah, parlor. like, you're you're dumb if you up, upload your driver's license to a social media platform. Um, but the fact that there's enough of a demand for that, and that it's of um, the boomer generation who are largely uh, not living in poverty, these are homeowners, these are people with careers, these are people that have some social status in their communities, kind of tells you that the, the times are shifting a little bit and that old GOP of like the Patriot Act or uh, like the, the Reagan eighties, like big business GOP um, probably can't survive anymore because you know, the progressives, the Democrats, that's the party of like uh, consensus making. That's the party of uh, doctors and professors and public school teachers um, and like that elite class. That's, that's no longer the, the, you know, the party for like the people, uh, so to speak, like, like, you know, these people hate the working class. Like, look at, look at the, the vitriol that's come out of left-wing Twitter in the last year about these vaccines. Like how many times have you seen some nice old guy, uh, you know, have a, a an obituary on Twitter where it's like, Oh yeah, this guy, uh, grandpa of, of, you know, several people, uh, you know, volunteer those local Kiwanis club or whatever, uh, died from covid complications and you get a whole thread of people going like, well, it's good. It's good. It's what we like to see. Uh, one less one less Trump publican. You know, these, these people hate the, the actual working class and the libertarians, you know, for their part, can take advantage of this like this. There's a, a pretty strong populist argument to be made for Bitcoin. There's a pretty strong two way argument to be made for 3D printing guns. But as a as a group, as an association, like we have to find the stuff that people care about and push those buttons, because that's how you convert like words into action. I mean, you, we have to go from a party of like ideals to a party of goals, because there there's nothing you know there's nothing special about having ideals. Like by by definition, they're they're almost unobtainable because it's it's like a perfect concept. But if you set goals, you know you can get. Results ostensibly, if if you do a good job at it, if you put the work in, and you you know, you approach it with diligence and some good faith, um, I think you can force some aspects of the GOP, maybe at a state level even, um, to be pretty, you know, pretty libertarian adjacent. Uh, you know, to to be kind about it, like the, these guys are never going to become libertarians, um, but there's something special about the GOP, which is that it can win elections. And the Libertarian Party cannot. So, you know, you have to transform these institutions by the people that are inside them. And we've seen some of that, seen a little bit of that. And it's it produced uh, an outsized result for what, what you have seen. You know, if you had told me that there were going to be Republican Congress people uh, drinking monster energy drinks with, with, you know, wearing Glocks on their hip, um, you know, 10 years ago, I would have been like, well, no way, it's not, not going to happen. Uh, but there has been a cultural shift on some of these things and it has paid dividends in some cases. Um, So I I wouldn't necessarily write off, you know, the GOP entirely. Um, It's just a matter of putting in the effort and saying like, Hey, this is what we're going to do because the the LP, you know, we don't have anything to offer Democrats uh, as, as LPMC or Mises or Hoppian guys or, anything like that. Like the mainstream LP is is basically just the democratic party, right? Like the, the social politics of the LP mirror those closely of the DNC. Like this is all woke, uh, stuff. It's all Satanism and atheism and age of consent and transgender ideology. And, uh, you know, you know, stuff like this, which, you know, that does nothing for, you know, for me. And, and I think most of you not to put words in your mouth, but you know, we have nothing to offer the left, but we have something very special for the GOP where where the Libertarian Party, we're not going to win an election as the LP, but we can cause the GOP to lose. Like that, that is worth something. We, you know, we, we, you know, do have that effect in certain places where you can say, okay, well, here's the deal. Uh, you know, you're going to go put up someone who says... We're not gonna do lockdowns and we're not gonna pass any new gun laws or else We're gonna run our best person and we're gonna tank the GOP in this congressional district. Like there's some power there, you know, to be had. Uh, so there, there are, you know, ways that you can play this if, if you're gonna play like LP strategy. I think shifting the culture of the GOP as an institution is one viable way because the GOP has to figure out a reason to be useful again. Trump was a layup for the GOP. Trump's not a GOP guy. He wasn't a lifelong GOP guy. Um, You know, he was a Democrat most of his life. And he happened to run as a Republican and he won. Uh, That wasn't because of like some grand RNC strategy. That was just a a luck of the draw for them. Um, So I think they would have an interest in some of that because they have to figure out a way to be relevant again. Um, The LP in some places has a big enough margin where, you know, you could make that happen. Um, so I think you could affect GOP politics from the inside, not as like probably your standalone strategy, but there there are places where that could be effective.
0: Gotcha. Um, we're coming up on getting close to an hour and a half, uh, figure we, maybe wrap it up. Um, maybe we can go around, go around the room and just kind of in a minute or so, uh, or briefly just kind of give what your overall... Like, what is your libertarian strategy? What What do you think is the uh, what What should we be doing? Um, so, uh, Stepi, you want to want to take a stab? Uh, sure. Well, uh, and, and also, my... it's been a while since you said anything. So, if you had any other comments on on the last little bit, because uh, I know we've said
2: oh. Yeah, well, I I would uh, add to uh, what Lee was saying about uh, uh, electoral politics and the LP there. Um, One thing, again, I I can't emphasize enough my disdain for the LP strategy, (laughs) uh, especially the attempted takeover, because by swinging to the right, you are... uh, you are taking on the dead weight it's like a lifeguard being drowned by someone like you're saving this thing and it's actually destroying you if if the uh, I don't want to name names, but if the LP was given over completely to the left-wing elements within a within it that we like to make fun of, if the the real like loser brigade people controlled the whole thing, they might actually only pull votes from the left. So, like if there was just a mass abandoning of, of the thing from all the right-wing libertarians, uh, hey, maybe all of a sudden. Uh, I'm applauding the LP of New Jersey for cannibalizing votes from Phil Murphy. Right. Like, so anyway, that's just my thoughts on that. But as far as, uh, so what, what was the prompt? Uh,
0: like if you had to give a genetic, I know, like I was just got done saying like, there were no one saying this like a one size fit all thing, but like if you can give a, a general like strategy of, of how you think libertarian should be approaching, um, how to like, what, what should the, you know, libertarian strategy be? Like if you could okay, summarize that kind of briefly,
2: I would say throw away all your theory, decide what Liberty is to you. Right. Uh, and decide who you want to have it. And, and when, when you do that, you have to be realistic, right? You gotta be like, I want my family to have Liberty. I want, uh, you know, the people in this town to have Liberty, like really in concrete terms, who do you want to have Liberty? What does Liberty mean to you? Whether that be economic freedom or whatever, and really treat it like a business plan and actually come up with a way to follow through. Do not be, you may like the nap as a rule of thumb, like, but like, don't let this kind of theory bog you down when you're coming up with your plan Dream big, dream concrete, and dream specifically. Otherwise, you will end up being the very online libertarian loser that no one likes. Who can only talk
3: about theory?
0: <laughs> I like it, uh, Lee. What do you got?
3: Um, I mean, if if you're a LP strategist, you need to instead of relying on you know goals and ideals, you need to, your desires and ideals. You need to set goals. You need to define objectives. They have to be measurable. These have to be things that are attainable. You you have to figure out like, hey, can I win this fight? Is there a chance that I can win this fight? That's the only place that you should engage politically. If if you cannot affect the outcome, by definition, you're not effective. If you're gonna go spend money, time, effort, sweat equity at something that you don't have a chance of being effective at, um, you know, don't, don't do that. That's not a good idea. So you need to find a way to win. Remember, you know, you can put this philosophy into action. Um, you know, like I said, I believe in libertarian philosophy. Like this is stuff that I agree with. Uh, people respond to incentives, right? That's like one of those basic aspects of like Misesian, you know, politics This is people respond to incentives, give them something to care about, solve a problem that someone cares about solving in a way that makes it where they would get, why do we even need these other guys, right? Like, what do I need Democrats for? What do we need the GOP for? Like, this guy's coming in here. He says he's going to fix this problem. This is something I care about. Um, I'm going to vote for that guy, okay? These have to exist somewhere. And, you know, further, like, you have to be willing, make a solution, make a difference, worry more about making an outcome than just making a statement that's consistent uh, with, you know, being a quote-unquote libertarian. Like that's the the biggest mistake that I think the LP makes libertarians as a whole make. Um, no one else cares about this. It's, it's in politics. This is a silly hangup that we have. Uh, you know, you, you don't have socialists, you know, saying, well, am I being a good socialist by running as a Democrat? They don't <laughs> care. They're, they're going to run as a Democrat and they're going to win. And then they're going to start implementing socialist policies. Uh, you, you know, you have to decide whether you want to, you know, be a libertarian or create a libertarian society if you're going to play politics.
0: Awesome. Slappy, do you have a something?
3: Strategy for the LP?
0: No, no, just a, a strategy. Generally speaking for libertarians.
1: Yeah. Buy Bitcoin, keep stacking, hold on to it. Then you'll be wealthy and then you will be able to make decisions to influence your government um that's not going to happen overnight and uh as as i guess lee and steppy and and a lot of people said like this is an emergency now with the masks i kind of feel hopeless on it to be honest with you so i just ignore it and go about my business and haven't really had much pushback from anyone and so try to uh, live in Ancapistan in my head and it's good (laughs) for my mental health and it's good for my people I surround myself with. And uh, I kind of try to create my own space and live my life the way I want to. And it, uh, it, it's going well for me. So um, I don't know if that's agorism or whatever, or or what, but um, I'm just not concerned with local politics. Maybe I should be, but my kids don't go to those schools because I don't want them to go to those schools and, you know, I'm just trying to do what I can do. I know not everyone has that option or maybe maybe they don't realize they have that option, but there's ways to live free in an unfree world. Isn't that a, a book? <laughs> um, so that's what I kind of try to do. I have no interest at all in politics or in electing anyone. But that being said, best of luck to anyone who is libertarian and running. I hope you win and I hope you do well.
0: Yeah. And I'll, I'll uh, round it out by saying, um, I don't think you can really achieve freedom for your society unless you have some freedom yourself. So whatever you're doing, whatever is kind of the the high effort, um, takes up a lot of time. thing that you do, make sure that you're, you know, achieving, um, your goals in your own personal life for you yourself and your family and your your immediate local community. However, if whether that's just your your home or your neighborhood, um, try to get it so that you're not reliant on the whims of the state, whether it's or to at least minimize it, um, whether it's local politics, state or or national politics. Because you know, worst case scenario is if your greater vision doesn't work out for trying to free your state or your country or your, or your township from the clutches of the government, well, at least you're, you've positioned yourself to be in a good spot that, uh, that you're protected and, you know, you're able to lead the life that you want to live outside of that. And uh, I think if, if everybody takes that sort of mindset, then I, th- I think a lot of the stuff will, uh, will fall into place. That's not to say that, you know, things fall into place just out of happenstance. It's going to take a lot of work, but, um, um, yeah, you just gotta, (laughs) you gotta take care of yourself before you can take care of other people. So, um, Lee and Steppy want to thank you for uh, coming on. This was a, I really enjoyed this conversation. It's a little bit different, um, than kind of the things Slappy and I talk about, um, generally here got a lot more into talking about politics and, and, strategies there. So, um, it was useful for me to kind of get, get, uh, get confronted with those ideas and, and, and grapple with them. So, um, hopefully, uh, hopefully the listeners got as much out of it as I did. So, uh, Steppy, do you want to tell people where they can find you if you want to be found? (laughs) Uh, I, I, nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the best part of the episode. I just gotta say that, that little moment right there. Lee, how about you?
3: No, I'm all right. I think everybody knows me.
0: Okay, well, then I'll make it easier. I'm not gonna put your. I'll put your Twitter handles on the show notes page because <laughs> they're already there I think so
3: yeah, seize, seize local power by not revealing your Twitter at
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> uh there's uh I don't play because there's there's been many times i am just like I should just blow myself out of here Twitter and the online world it's just <laughs> it's it's a place it's a place so all right um. Show notes page for this episode is mcflugel.com slash 278. If you want to go against the wishes of Lee and Steppy, go there and and find them if you're not already following them. And also uh, the usuals. Check out libertymugs.com, bitcointrickle.com, and 10 hoursbitcoincom for your mug and Bitcoin knowledge needs. So once again, thank you to Lee and Steppy and uh, to the listeners. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next week.
1: Peace.